Welcome to the Adam Goddett edition of Netfront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon, the Post-Dispatch, joined by the Post-Dispatch beat reporter Matthew DeFranks, who's in Washington, D.C., ahead of a home-and-home -home series against the Capitals. Uh, Matthew, so yeah, uh, there's a little bit of change coming into this, uh, this sequence of games. Unfortunately, uh, Kasperi Kapanen, uh, who's been earning some trust from his coach for blocking shots and such, doing little things, unfortunately pays a price for blocking a shot. So the Adam Goddett era begins. Yeah, Kapanen uh, placed on injured reserve uh, yesterday. Uh, the Blues announced that he'll be reevaluated in four weeks. Uh, but to, to me, last year, you know, when I was first getting acclimated to the team, you know, that was when O'Reilly got hurt and Tarasenko got hurt and Crew was coming back. And they all seemed to come back a little bit before their reevaluation date. So four weeks is what they say. We'll see what it actually ends up being. Uh, if it is four weeks, it'll be uh, February 14, Valentine's Day surprise for uh, for Kasperi Kapanen coming back to the lineup, uh, which would be, you know, give him three weeks, I think, uh, ahead of the trade deadline uh, if the Blues choose to, to go that route for their pending UFA. Uh, but, yeah, as you said, he was starting to earn a little bit more trust, a little more minutes. Uh, a few games ago, he started on the fourth line. And then uh, against Boston, got moved up a little bit. And then even against Philadelphia late in the game, he was playing on the first line with uh, Buchnevich and Thomas. So he was starting to, to earn a little bit more. Uh, I mean, his season hasn't really been all that uh, dynamic, uh, as as we both have, have seen and, and written about. Uh, you know, he's only on – he only has 13 points this season, which is well off of his pace of, uh, you know, about a 40-point season throughout his career. So hasn't provided what the blues have needed really offensively, especially at his cap hit uh, 3.2 million. Uh, but he was doing a lot of other good things uh, in terms of forecheck and using speed, uh, playing defense, killing penalties, stuff like that. So uh, definitely uh, a loss for the blues, really their first long-term loss of the season, uh, but not a, an overwhelmingly, uh, you know, not a death blow by any means. So Gaudet is the, the new Josh Levo in the sense of a guy who's been, kind of stuck as a tweener between the AHL and the NHL um, has been a productive player in his life, but trying to translate that at the NHL level has proven to be a challenge. He is a volume shooter. I love the description that uh, Drew Bannister gave you there. <laughs> Don't expect give and go. If, if he gets it, he's <laughs> going to shoot it. And in fact, yeah, 130 shots on goal and 24 goals in the American league, I guess, you know, giving the puck up in the AHL is not going to get you back to the NHL. Yeah, and he's been part of that that top line in uh, Springfield that was one of the best lines in the lead, really, uh, with Gaudet, Nathan Walker, and, and Matthew Pekka. Yeah, just uh, you know, his twenty four goals lead the AHL by four. Uh, you know, he has four more goals than the next closest guy. His one hundred thirty shots are third in the lead. Uh, so he does shoot the puck uh, a ton, and even his thirty six points, uh, third in the league. So. Uh, a lot of production from Adam Gaudet. He is kind of like that that 4A player that we talked about in baseball where, you know, you might be too good for AAA, but you're not quite good enough to to be in the NHL. And, you know, that's one of the things with these guys when they're offensive players in the AHL, they're, they're getting first-line minutes, they're getting top power play, they're getting all of the offensive opportunity. That's not going to be there in the NHL when once they arrive, right? They're not going to be playing 22 minutes a night on the first power play things like that. So can they take aspects of their game, translate it to the NHL and make it fit there? And, and so far, you know, Adam Gauda has played 200 plus NHL games, hasn't been able to, to really stick. I think he's on his, I want to say his fifth organization, uh, if I count it correctly, but 
Uh, he does have talent at the AHL level. And Drew Bannister said that they'll play him in the top nine. We'll see, you know, in about an hour or so uh, where that ends up being in the top nine. Uh, but he will get a chance to be put in some offensive opportunities, I guess. Well, I asked uh, I asked uh, Coach Bannister about supple the supplemental scoring issue, and they've been seeing a little bit more out of guys like uh, Shen here lately. Uh, Saad uh, is on a tw- you know twenty goal pace as usual. They need more out of Kevin Hayes. Really, he really wasn't in a mood to talk about scoring, given the fact that the this team had a little puck management issue against the the Flyers. It really has had a puck management issue here for a few days. Um, he, you know that is his focal point. But Matthew, this team does need to generate more offense uh, through the lineup, and to that end, uh, he has been juggling the the groupings. Trying to trying to stir that out of, out of a second and probably now a third group uh, with Gaudet coming in. Yeah, uh, it's when we've talked to Drew Bannister before about getting depth scoring. Uh, the answer has always been, you know, we have the guys, we have the talent in the bottom six and the bottom nine to to get that done. They've done it before in their careers. They can do it again. We just need them to get going. And it seems like now that message is is different. Uh, at practice yesterday, they split up that top line of Bushnevich, Thomas, and Kairou. Moved Kairou down to the second line uh, with uh, Shen and Hayes. Bumped neighbors up to the first line with Bushnevich and Thomas. So that's the first time under Drew Bannister that he has split that top line up, which is notable because when he first arrived, that was one of his first moves, was putting them together, uh, saying we need to get Jordan Kairou going and – in doing that, that that line has been very good all season. I mean, if the possession numbers, I know not everyone's crazy about them, but they're controlling about 55% of the play when they're on the ice. And, you know, for a team that really is in the mid to, to high 40s overall, that's quite a, a standout for them to produce that way. So they were an impactful line together, but at a certain point, you look at it and say they're the only line scoring. And I, I also wonder if on being on the road impacts the decision-making uh, when teams are on the road, they send out a one bit line, you know, the home team gets the last change. They can send out whoever they want against that top line and, uh, and shut them down. And we saw it a little bit in Carolina where you know, Rod Brindabore sent out Jordan Stahl shift after shift after shift against Robert Thomas uh, and company. And they were held in check. And once that top line's held in check, who else is there to to score? And that night it was Nathan Walker on a little bit of a fluky play, but other nights hasn't really been too consistent, right? So I wonder if they do it on the road and come home and when they have last change, they can set up matchups. They maybe lean back into uh, the you know, the top line being together. Uh, we'll see what happens. But that's that was one of the thoughts I had. Yeah, no, it's no question. And then, you know, that your top lines, forward line, checking line, but also your top defensive pairing can come out yeah. against them all the time as well. And sometimes there's a huge drop off from that top defensive pairing to the next, to the next. So that's a huge difference. The other thing with the grouping is we, we keep coming back to this. The same thing Chief saw was, you know, you get a guy, neighbors is, you know what he's going to do. He's going to go, go to the net. He's going to, he's going to help with puck retrieval and then he's going to go to the net. Um, man, there are times, you know, puck possession is awesome with Thomas and Kyrou and Buchnevich, but just, could you just be a little less cute, guys? Do you really have to make three more passes when maybe an extra pass would have been plenty, but three or four more? You know, it just seems like, again, they've been kind of, when they they start pressing and they start trying to do too much, 
they start having these rapid succession of touch passes. It's like, you know, guys, 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 you guys got ability. How many times are you going to be on your forehand looking right down the middle of the ice and then throw it off to the, to the flank? How many, how many times guys? So, and I think there's an element of that just, that just drives you crazy at times watching those guys play. And it, there will be less of that on the first line with neighbors. And also, you know, just turn, you know, Cairo, if he's on a second line, he's got to drive play. You know, those guys aren't driving play right now at this point in their careers. So Shannon and Hayes aren't going to drive play. So maybe he can enliven those two as well. Yeah. And I think like they are who they are, right? They are the, the zebra doesn't change his stripes, right? Is that is that the same or is it a tiger? Is it a tiger or a zebra? I don't know which striped animal doesn't change its stripes. Uh, but those players are who they are. The, the reason that they've made it so far into the NHL, they found success is because they have been the give and do of players, the pass, the pass first guys that can find open players and uh, kind of defer and it can work. I mean, we've seen it work with them before. And there are times where you say, Hey, like you're passing up chances. And then there are other times you say, well, they're creating chances out of nothing because of the way they see the ice and because they're passing. So a little bit of give and take, I think with those guys, but you know, when you have two zebras, maybe you need a, a horse or maybe a donkey is is jake neighbors a, a donkey just to get in there i don't think we want to stick that with them i mean it seems no. like a bit of <laughs> i was just thinking of a, a horse-shaped creature yeah well, i think just go with a you know he, he would be what would he be because he's a bit of a he's a bit of a bulldozer he's a he would be a working horse i think he's a working horse there you go like, like, a, like an unbroken thoroughbred yeah there you go so he's <laughs> uh, and he's willing to shoot the puck uh, jake certainly will now at times he gets caught trying to trying to play like the other guys, but he will shoot the puck. He does play a direct game. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with the forward lines. But, uh, you know, certainly um, getting back to Drew Bannister's bigger concern here the last few days is uh, they uh, he keeps saying, you're making it too easy for the other team. You're making it too hard for yourselves to defend. And again, we're seeing, and well, let's move to the defensive side or the, back to the blue line. Uh, man, it was, it was, it was tough trying to get uh, Krug and Falk back together. It was some, some tough results there for sure. And so adjustments have been made. Yeah. So the, the crude Falk pairing uh, at even strength there, there were five goals against uh, in the last two games uh, for the blues. And that pair was on the ice for four of them. Uh, and like we talked about the, the top line and what they can do together when they're going, we see at times when Krug and Falk are going and, and Krug is, is, you know, leading to transition and Falk is helping closing out plays and uh, they are you know, somewhat productive on both ends of the ice when they are going really well. You know, when they are going poorly, as we saw this weekend, it's just turnovers, giveaways, uh, kind of leaving guys open, trading chances for the other team. It's not, it's not pretty, right? So we've seen pretty much since for as long as I can remember, they've been together, right? They've been together for a long, long time. And uh, this is a move that I think is a shout out to to Matthew Kestel and the way that he played in those five games with Tori Krug. And I still believe Kessel has not been on the ice for a goal against uh, at all in this, this season. So he's been a, a little bit of a, a pleasant surprise for the blues and putting him with Krug and feeding him, you know, 16, 17 minutes a night seemed to work. Okay. Uh, across you know, a two week span when Falk was out. So they're going back to that. And uh, you know, the Perunovic Falk pair, you know, we haven't seen a ton of it. Saw a little bit of it against Boston, but not a ton. And 
it seems like it's a, a very offensive pair, but you know, maybe it's uh has similar results to the the good side of Krug and Falk because Prunovic and Krug are, are very similar players. Yeah, you're gonna have to um with Falk because he's coming back from this injury. Uh, you know, you all, you do feel bad for a guy. He's coming back. He's trying to he's trying to help the team. And he just gets danced the other night. Just gets danced. Uh, you you know, he's he can't possibly be a hundred percent right. So that doesn't excuse everything that happened. So I think, but if you could shelter him a bit while he tries to get his wheels back, that might be a good idea. And if you're going to put him with Perunovic, you're going to have to shelter those guys. Right, offensive zone starts. Be be very selective about how you use them, and uh, and be very careful because you know Perunovic. I mean, he's, you got to play him. You got to, you got to get his confidence. You see good things. You see bad things. Um, him and putting him and Falk together, you just got to be careful. Yeah. And one thing that Drew Bannister mentioned yesterday after practice is, you know, Falk can, can defend in his own zone. Uh, I know he's not the the best defensive defenseman out there, but he does have the ability to, to put a body on someone and then be physical. And, you know, Bannister was saying, you know, that's, the way that that Falk plays, but that's not the way that Perunovic plays, right? He has to defend with his feet. He has to defend with his stick, and it's kind of a work in progress. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, but it does give you at least some some offensive, you know, dynamic potential on a on a third pair uh, that maybe wasn't there when it was, you know, Perunovic Kessel. Well, and the good news in all this is that you know, Kessel has its small small sample size, as, as Drew Bannister keeps reminding us. But, um, you know, Bannister used him in more of a bit of an offensive role last year, had him on the power play and such. This year he was focused with, with Matthew on the defensive side to be the guy that would take on the tough assignments and such. And so he just transitioned to the uh, NHL in that with that mindset of playing that role at this level, which is what he's going to have to play at this level. And if he can play, you know, top four minutes in that defensive role and be the guy that's super conscious of what's going on out there and because Falk's going to be a bit of a wild card at times, I mean, taking gambles on pinches, um, you know, being aggressive, going going in, being a fourth forward. Um, it's a good, I mean, on paper, in theory, it's a, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good pairing to have. And you really need a guy that's defensive minded in your top four. It was always weird having two offensive-minded guys as appearing in your top four. It just was. And so if Matthew can hold up in this role, uh, it makes a difference. Yeah, and, and it's kind of a testament to him to staying in the lineup. Well, I mean, I guess first getting in the lineup when, when Falk originally got hurt um, over you know Tucker, uh, I believe it was more of a left-handed, right-handed thing, uh, more so than you know the way that Tucker or Kessel were playing at the time. But to get in the lineup, to stay in the lineup, and then when Falk came back, you know, essentially Kessel took the job of Marco Scandella. Uh, Scandella's been, you know, stretched the last two games. Looks like he stretched the tonight against Washington. So for him, it's got to build some confidence. Saying, "Well, I, I've made it in the NHL as you know the the number eight defenseman on the Blues, and now I'm well, really he was number nine at a training camp when we think about Robert Portuzo." So Portuzzi gets traded, Kelsey moves up to eight. He Falk gets hurt, he moves up to seven. When Falk comes back, he moves up to six. And so he's kind of been moving up the depth chart uh, throughout the season for the Blues, and that's got to build some confidence for him. Well, realistically, if you look at this team, I mean, this is all about trying to build a future. You know, you're trying to establish how you want to play now. 
you want that to carry over into the future. So that's right now Drew Bannister's big job is trying to get the team to play with a certain identity that will that'll carry going forward. But, you know, the, the second track, and it's the one that they've struggled with all year, is at the same time you've got a part of this, yeah, you'd like to be in the playoff chase, of course, but you are looking forward. So you do have to play some of these guys and uh, just see what you have. And so Perunovic is getting ice time now and Kessel's getting ice time now. And um, that I think that's going to be the way forward. I don't know that, you know, Jimmy Snuggerud signs a contract after his college year and there's some games left in the NHL season and um, he'll play as well. Um, it just, it's, it's, you just have to try to balance those things. And that's going to be part of it. I, I think it's going to take a lot for, uh, Kessel and Prunovic to to not play, frankly, because you, unless they're complete failures and you, they lose their confidence, and then you don't want to ruin them. But if they're playing okay, got to play them. Yeah, and I think to to me, it's it's always been you have to you can only play them in in situations that they're prepared to to play in. Right? It's not bring up the kids for the sake of bringing up the kids. It's have the kids developed enough to a point where they can succeed in the NHL, right? And you know, we've seen the offense come from Scott Perunovich recently. Uh, that was something we talked about before where, you know, we see all of the tools. We see the little deets, the little hip movements, the the small little moves to create space or to elude a four-checker. We see all of the little things with him that hadn't resulted in points. Well, now they're resulting in points and he's starting to produce offensively like an offensive defenseman should outside of, his goal total, obviously. Uh, and Kessel, you know, he is a guy that I believe that other teams have looked at and said, well, he could be someone that can fit in the NHL in the future. Like how soon that would be? Uh, I don't know, but he is only still 23 years old. He's only in his second year, full year of professional hockey after playing collegially at UMass. So he has made strides and it's kind of a, a weird uh, development path that the that the Blues have seemed to figure out for these kind of uh, third pairing defensemen in, in a way. Um, you know, they they kind of figured out what to do with with Tyler Tucker in the AHL and having him down there, and then last year getting the taste of it, and this year being on the roster. You know, I know he hasn't played a ton this year, but the fact that they kind of had a path for him from the AHL to bouncing up and back to being in the NHL. I think we're seeing that with Kessel right now and being in the AHL. Maybe he goes back to the AHL this year and kind of bounces back and forth later in the season. We'll see. You know, the, these things all feel so permanent right now, but we know things change quickly. And then, you know, the next guy that I've talked to about in, in the Springfield system would be Leo Loof, you know, being a guy that comes in, plays a lot in the AHL, maybe bounces up in a year or two, and then maybe becomes a full-time NHL or on a, on a depth role in the future. So it seems to me like they've kind of found something with developing those depth defensemen. Uh, it's not to say that they're developing, you know, number ones uh, down in Springfield, but they seem to have something in that same vein for guys like uh, Tucker, Kessel, Loof. You know, the fact you brought Leo's name, name up, I mean, when Jim Thomas listens to this podcast and we know he will, um, <laughs> that's his guy. Cause he always kept, always kept asking about him because well, well this is a guy that in Europe, played this type of a role right he wasn't there's was nothing flashy about his game in Europe he played the kind of role he would have to play here you know he's not going to rack up points he's not going to be on the power play uh he's a guy that def has been a defender he's got to learn how to defend on the smaller rink against uh you know a different level of player 
And then he's got to try to make the jump to a still different level of player. But it's what he did. And it's why it's what you use later round draft picks for. Uh, you know, you go for the guys, you know, you go for Hobie Baker winners in the first or second round. Um, offensive guys, you know, really elite talents, you know, a puck mover, you get a puck mover, you know, at the end of the first round of this last draft. You got a an early second round guy with an offensive ability, uh, you know, when you earlier in the draft, earlier in one of your earlier drafts. But later in the draft, yeah, you just take a guy that might be able to be a third pairing guy who's been at the yeah. who's just defends well. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think from when I talked to when Bannister was still back in Springfield talking to to him about Leo Luf, it was uh, his puck play that needed a little bit more improvement. His defensive side, his physical side was fine, but it was more so managing the puck, uh, not holding on to it for too long, getting in trouble that way. So I think that might come with the smaller ice. You know, you don't have as much time as you would in, in Europe because they're right on top of you here. So um, I'm not placing too much on on leo loof uh you know at least right now uh but in a few years maybe he's on that same tucker kessel path there you go that's that's what it's come to talking about third pairing guys in two years but um yeah, yeah. I, I, we got, we got real deep we got real deep real fast yeah i know we got I, and along those lines uh, again uh what you was asking the other day about uh bull duke and dean he said yeah they were both playing better by the time when he was before uh uh, Drew got promoted, but, you know, he says, look, you know, it's like, it, it, is, it is what you would expect it to be for those guys coming out of junior, you're going into the HL, you're playing against men, you're living on your own, you got to figure out how to be an adult, do all those things, you know, it's a whole different world, and Bulldog's starting to put up points, had a little bit of a point streak going, playing a little more in an offensive role, uh, but yeah, no, it'll be, who knows, it may be the middle of next year before you can start thinking about those guys. Cause this has been like, Hey, welcome to professional hockey year for those two. And it's good to have them in the system, but uh, fans who are kind of hoping that they would rise sooner than later, uh, you know, it's, it's a process. Yeah. And that's kind of what we talked about when, you know, I say they need to be put in situations that they're, they're ready for, you know, those guys aren't, aren't playing the way, the way that you would expect out of a guy who needs to be called up to the NHL. Right. So this is, luxury is a weird word to to use for a team in the blues position, but it's not like they need those guys up in the NHL, right? They they're in a position where sure they're, they're trying to make the playoffs, but it's not like they need them to, to be up right now. They can allow them to be in the AHL to develop their, uh, to get going a little bit more. Uh, you know, I think, you know, Bull Duke the last few games has been on that top line while Nathan Walker has been in the NHL and, you know, we'll see who joins him now that uh, that Adam Gaudet is in the in the NHL. So they they seem to be getting a little bit more going. I'm like you said, we'll we'll just hold off until they're ready and, and see what they look like when they get here. All right, big topic for the next couple of games. You know, the Capitals are fighting for their playoff lives. They're had a, a better defensive showing uh, the last three games. Got back to back good goaltending efforts from uh, Chucky Sideburns there. Uh, you know, <laughs> Lingrid does a good job in goal. Kemper comes back against uh, the uh, moribund uh, Ducks, and uh, they didn't get much done offensively, and he threw the shutout in. But last three games, uh, they've played better. But the big story is, you know, Russian machines don't break, but they start wearing down, right? And so Alexander Ovechkin's was steamrolling toward the um, – the all-time goal scoring record, which has seemed inconceivable three, four years ago, 
last year was starting to seem conceivable. This year, uh, starting to look more inconceivable. It's been, uh, you know, Matthew, we all get old, right? And uh, so Alexander's trying to come back from a minor injury and trying to get back on track. And just be interesting to see what happens with him, with Obi. But Blues fans get will probably see a fair bit of him here the next uh, two games. Yeah, so he's he's 38 years old. He's got eight goals this year in, in 39 games. Uh, the, the number that jumps out to me is the shooting percentage, 5.8. Uh, you'd think, you know, the best goal scorer of all time maybe would shoot a little bit higher than that. I mean, he's a career, you know, 12.9% shooter. So the fact that he's, you know, down half of that this year is uh, is certainly notable. Uh, you, you don't just kind of lose it when you're a guy like him um, that can you know, produce in a very unique way. Uh but I do wonder if he's slowing down. I mean, everyone wonders if he's slowing down. Um, I just don't know. I'm not ready to to call it quite yet on on Ovechkin's, you know, his pursuit of Gretzky and uh, you know getting up to to, to 900. And so he, he's slowing down. But I I'm never going to count him out until he's uh, until he's truly out. To be honest. He was a game-time decision in the last uh, game against Anaheim. The decision was not to play him, but he's been close for a couple games, so I anticipate that the Blues will see him, you know, if not tonight, Saturday. But you know, the other factor for him, unfortunately, and for the team, is that, you know, Backstrom was not able to make his recovery, uh, and his career might well be done. You know, he had surgery to try to get his, his, his hips and legs and lower body to work correctly again. He just couldn't get there. And Kuznetsov, who's a skilled player, but he's been uh, kind of drifting in and out of uh, trouble with his coach. And so, uh, man, and of course, TJ Oshie's contributes on a power play, but he's like 50 years old now. Um, so yeah, they're, they've kind of, the, these, the cast around him has, uh, has diminished. I mean, Carlson's still a good puck moving D man. Tom Wilson's a straight good, still a good power forward, but, um, they're kind of in a situation that would like the blues. I mean, they've got a lot of work to do going forward they got some age they got some term on some contract left and and they're fighting they're having to defend their butts off to try to stay in the chase yeah and they're, and they're right in it too you know it's you know saying all that i mean they're still right in the chase right now i mean by points percentage i think they're they're tied with pittsburgh right now for the the last wild card spot in the eastern conference so a little bit misleading in a way uh they do have a minus 24 goal differential and they are only 15 and 15 in regulation uh six and six i guess in overtime as well so a very 500 team that is masquerading as a 571 team uh but i don't know they they'll be fun to watch i don't i don't follow the eastern conference as much as i maybe should uh but this stretch of Eastern Conference teams has been fun to watch uh, different teams and seeing these uh, Capitals back-to-back will be nice. By the way, it wasn't fun to watch for if you're a Blues fan, uh, the Flyers, man. You talk about you talk <laughs> about a team that was in lockstep, and you wasn't much out there, man. There was not – Torts has those guys playing at a high level. They had Couturier missing a, another game, and didn't matter. You know, I mean, they were just in lockstep. Yeah, and uh, and Owen Tippett was just firing. Uh, you know, he had five shots on goal in the first period. Finished with ten shots <laughs> on goal. Had that that backhand game winner uh, where you know, as you mentioned earlier, what goes around Falk. Uh, yeah, that's just a, a skilled player doing skilled things and being ready to shoot all the time. And then on the other end, like the, you know, Banser talked about, it. they didn't have the puck 
enough because they kept turning it over and then Philadelphia just had it all game and uh, kind of got away from the blues there. And by the way, as a reminder, fans should, you know, about players developing and how long it takes and such. Uh, it took Tippett a while to get to this point, but yeah. you know, he, he had a pedigree, but it took a while. He's a player now, but you know, it took some patience and a fresh start elsewhere to get him where he is. He had to rack up a lot of points in the A and learn a lot of lessons, but yeah, towards, actually, you know, he's got, they've got some things going. I covered his first NHL game. He So when I first started covering the hockey, I was the 17-18 Panthers, and Owen Tippett was their first-round pick in 2017, and he made the team out of training camp, had his nine-game tryout, went back to Mississauga, and uh, so he was kind of the first teenager, 18-year-old that I covered in the NHL, and to see you know, the the Panthers go ahead and trade him for for three weeks of Claude Giroux, him plus a first rounder, right? That was uh, an interesting move they made to kind of push all the chips in. And uh, yeah, that was a weird season for the Panthers too. They went and traded for Ben Chirot, right? They traded a first round pick for Ben Chirot. Yeah, weird, weird, weird asset management from them, but just a, a throw a throwback for me seeing him uh, in a different uniform. All these years later. And yet, you know, it's funny. Yeah, there were some weird things that happened with that franchise and how it was run. You guess you saw some of that dysfunction. But man, they—they they, seems like they've gotten organized. And man, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked with Bob Rusky playing the way he is. Uh, you know, man, if they don't go back and this time win it, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I mean, they—they they just find players out of, uh, somehow. You know, when they came into the season, they didn't have Ekblad or, or Montour, and they weathered this, weathered that, and they're both back now, and they're going through Kachuk, maybe not producing like he should but he's been on a roll recently and reinhardt's in a contract year and he's he's scoring like a maniac so they just seem to find guys had a good question uh one more thing before we end this edition of the net firm presence and a good an excellent question we were i was debating with uh, lou korak um all right should vladdy tarasenko have just gone ahead and taken the minimum to play in his beloved south florida uh or was it smart just to take the money um and uh go play in ottawa which has turned out to be just a, a mess but he's getting paid yeah i mean it is a big difference was he with 4.5 yeah it's money it's real money i mean versus yeah. the minimum right it's not like we're talking you know a couple hundred thousand we're talking almost four million dollars that's that's tough to to leave out especially i mean i know taxes are different in canada than they are in florida but not that different <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make up for four million dollars. Uh, no, no, I still, I still get the decision. I mean, coming into the season, we all thought the Senators would be a little bit better than what they turned out to be. So I get it. I get it from his perspective, but it is an interesting question, at least. Next year, he'll take the he'll take the minimum to go to South. Florida. Are you calling it right now? You're calling a shot? Yeah, because he's not. Nobody's going to want him, so he's going to take the minimum. Yes, you take uh, you know, number ninety one from Ethan Larson. Is Ethan Larson still in a contract next year? He's know. played well, yeah. I don't know, man, but uh, that's been another great find. They just fell into that, and uh, and he's he he carried the load for a couple months. So, anyways, enough about the Panthers. We're just trying to change the topic because because our heroes are kind of a drifting further out of the Western Conference race. We'll see what happens with the Capitals. We'll be back next week in the net front. Uh, reminder that you can get all of our podcasts and and videos and a lot of extra content that's not in our print edition on stltoday.com, the uh, digital edition of the newspaper. We appreciate your support of this podcast and also of our local journalism. Until next time, for Matthew DeFranks, I'm Jeff Gordon. See ya!